0: Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's go Blow one. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday, August 18th edition of Locked on Dolphins. It is power to the pod day today. Lots to look forward to. You guys brought the questions. I will bring the answers. But we also have to react to some of the dynamics of yesterday's first padded practice for the Miami Dolphins. Had the opportunity to sit in on all the press conferences yesterday. So I got to hear Brian Flores ahead of practice. And Kyle Vannoy, Jerome Baker, and Ted Karras after practice talking about some of the dynamics and where the temperature is with this team and the energy and how ready they are and how hungry they are, but also top performers. There's some surprising names, general consensus amongst those in attendance on who performed well and who did not. That's where we're going to start today, and then we'll switch gears. We'll get into your Power to the Pod questions in the immediate aftermath of talking about who stood out for all the right and wrong reasons on the first day of padded practice. Three Miami Dolphins offensive players received strong reviews for their performances in the first day of full padded practices for the Miami Dolphins 2020 training camp. The most surprising, perhaps, is quarterback Josh Rosen. Rosen is something of a forgotten man in the Dolphins quarterback room after the team drafted Tua Valoa with the number 5 overall pick. But it was Rosen who performed the most consistently throwing the football. Physical talent has never been the problem for Josh Rosen, but he pushed the ball vertically down the field, illustrated the strongest arm on the team, and had a very good showing with accuracy inside of the red zone during one of the team drills to start off a critical training camp window for Rosen. Among the other strong performers, wide receiver Jakeen Grant had himself a very good day catching the football and utilizing his speed at the wide receiver position to give fits to those who would be covering him. Grant is inevitably going to be stepping into a much larger role in the Dolphins wide receiver room this year, and it was promising to see a first impression of Grant knowing this role was coming that illustrated that the moment was not too big for him. Grant has been very vocal throughout the course of the summer that he views himself as a wide receiver, even though he has not put together the production or the durability to indicate he can handle a very high snap load to this point in his young career. This will be the litmus test for Jakeem Grant, and it will give the Dolphins the clarity they need one way or the other to understand just how pressing of a need speed at wide receiver is going into next offseason. But another surprise, positive review from training camp was offensive guard Solomon Kindly. Kindly was a fourth-round pick for the Dolphins in 2020, and the team apparently liked him so much that they traded two fourth-round picks to jump up in the round to ensure they were able to secure his services. Kindly got positive reviews, not just from those in the media in attendance for practice, but also from teammate Ted Karras. Ted Karras met with the South Florida media yesterday and was asked specifically about Kindly and what it is that he brought to the table as a young, hungry contender for a possible starting role with the team. Here's what Ted Karras had to say. It's been very fun to play next to him. He works really hard, and he's always trying to do the right thing. He's a great guy to have in the room. He's a cool dude. He really is working hard. We're going to need him to work hard. He's a very good football player, and I'm excited every time I get to go into battle with him. Dolphins fans should consider the right guard position to be open season for the Dolphins offensive line. The Dolphins did not pay Eric Flowers $10 million a year to not start at left guard. The Dolphins brought in Ted Karras and have Michael Dieter, who is reportedly getting a look to play at center. Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson will be competing for both starting offensive tackle jobs. Austin Jackson competing with Julian Davenport, Robert Hunt competing with Jesse Davis. But the right guard spot could be Hunt, it could be Davis. It could be Dieter, or it could be Kindly. This position is wide open. And the Dolphins, having invested what they have, two fourth-round picks in Solomon Kindly in this year's NFL draft, may make a strong statement if he's able to string together positive days. And that is, of course, anytime you're in training camp, the critical factor. Anybody's going to flash on any given day but can you consistently and persistently continue to get better and show day after day after day that you are a net positive impact for your position group? That is the prospect facing Solomon Kindly, And if he does win the job, then you get into a very interesting problem, but good problem to have for the Miami Dolphins, and that you could feasibly see an offensive line that's starting three rookies on it. Ted Karras, first year with the team. Eric Flowers, first year with the team. The Dolphins have a very difficult stretch ahead of them to get the offensive line right, but the most important component of that is getting the five right guys on the field. Monday was not, however, all sunshine and rainbows for everybody on the Miami Dolphins. And one player who needs to bounce back is a player who's looking to bounce back from about as bad of a 2019 season as you could possibly have. That's running back Kalen Ballage, who saw the team bring in Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and Malcolm Perry over the course of the offseason to try to boost the running game. Balaj, a third-year running back, struggled greatly throughout the course of 2019. He had 1.8 yards per carry and managed to log just one forced-missed tackle on 88 total touches on the season before having a leg injury that ended his season prematurely after the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Belage yesterday put the ball on the ground on more than one occasion, being stripped by Eric Rowe and also dropping a pass in pass-catching drills. Drops were a problem for Belage in 2019 as well, he had four drops on 24 total targets throughout the course of the games that he played, an alarming drop rate for a player who, coming out of Arizona State, received some consideration to possibly transition to wide receiver. Belage now has a very unenviable task ahead of him after setting a first impression this year, which looked an awful lot like such a bad performance last year. Belage is going to have to flip the switch. The Dolphins are paying both Burita and Jordan Howard a significant amount of money. They're going to be the featured players in the backfield. For Balaj, he's going to have to either coax this team to convince them that he can be the primary backup running back to Jordan Howard between the tackles, or, conversely, he's going to have to hope he can catch on as a pass catcher, but he's falling behind based on his 2019 evaluation and the early results here in 2020. He's running out of time to make the Dolphins active roster for the 2020 season, and the changes need to start happening now. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. Whether you're looking for new brake parts, engine control modules, new carpet, motor oil, or taillights, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are exactly the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to RockAuto.com for all of your auto parts needs, and make sure you write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Power to the pod time. First question comes from Elite Club Promotions on iTunes. Question. Thoughts on why New England was hit the hardest with opt-outs, confidence or lack of confidence? Would it have been been different if Tom Brady... This is an interesting question, and I know there's been a lot of kind of theories, running theories, and speculation as far as why uh, players from New England opted out at a significantly higher rate than the rest of the league. I don't have the answer, and I think each one of these individuals, it could just be a matter of each one of these individuals um, just so happened to play in the same place and did not feel comfortable uh, with the dynamics and scope of playing. And if that's the case, more power to them. Uh, I I think the decision is probably made a little easier when you have had the success that the New England Patriots have had. Because one of the, the, the common themes of listening to everybody about Dolphins practice yesterday was that this is a young, hungry team. And the saying is, fat pigs get slaughtered. And what that means is if you get content, you know, it's very easy to be knocked off or or knocked off your game or lose some of that X factor and drive and hunger that really drives you as a professional athlete or or being the best at what you do in anything that you do. And that's what makes like the all-time greats so rare is they don't just get to the top of the mountain and then it's like, okay, I want a championship, cool, I'm going to go party this offseason. Or I feel like I, I, I've checked the box I wanted to check. And now all of a sudden you might not you know, be as hungry. And if I had to speculate, I think it's, it's probably easier for New England Patriots players who have been a part of a dynasty. And the vast majority of the players who opted out, Chung, Cannon, Donta Hightower, these are like really accomplished players who probably don't feel as though they have as much to prove anymore and it's a little it's a little easier to not take the risk knowing that your legacy as a player you know you've you've reached the top of the mountain but that is just pure speculation I, ha- I have no firm reasoning or explanation as to why it actually did happen that's just kind of as I look at it that's how well, I I might presume some of those decisions were a little easier to make to play it conservatively and not play this season. Uh, Neeb Fins on iTunes. Gusecki versus your average slot. What is the difference between Gusecki's production from the slot and an average slot wide receiver's production? Thanks for your content. No, thank you for listening. Um, there are some very good wide receivers. There are receivers who put up 1,000 yards in alignment from the slot. So Mike Gusecki is not that caliber of a player. At least not yet. But I think it's a slippery slope to compare him to wide receivers because what you're going to ask him to do is very different. He's winning in different ways. He's, he's still attacking the middle of the field, but he's really driving to get behind the linebackers. Whereas some of these other route concepts for receivers and guys who are a little bit more dynamic, uh, you get more hard breaks in there, you're able to isolate them, you're able to, to motion them, and they kind of become high-volume guys. And I don't think in this offense, Gusecki's going to be a super high-volume guy. Like, not to the degree in which Jamison Crowder, for example, who, who's like your average physical profile for a slot but he plays in Adam Gase's offense so he gets like 110 targets in the slot every year and it's all underneath stuff so there's some give and take there's some pros and cons uh but from a raw production standpoint Mike's not at the level of like your high-end slot receivers but I would say he probably outproduces your average slot receiver especially if you don't look at it In raw volume stats, you look at it from a per-target statistic because Mike is that seam-buster kind of guy. Leonard from Kendall. Thanks for hosting my favorite Dolphins podcast. Other than the obvious rookies in o line chemistry, what areas do you think will be hurt by having a bizarre training camp and no preseason? I think that tackling league-wide will take three or four games to look normal. You're absolutely right, Leonard. Uh, The... A lot of the basic stuff that you kind of take for granted, as far as like operations of a game and timing, snapping hole. I think especially for the Dolphins, right? I had this conversation with uh, Nate Tice on social media, who's Mike Tice's son, uh, the other week, talking about how the Dolphins and Chan offense—they allow their their receivers. It's like you got to know the timing to get to the spot for, and look for the ball. But we're not going to tell you exactly how many steps to take or how exactly run your route. We're going to let you be you as a route runner and uh, do it whatever way you feel like you can best fulfill the, the timing of the play. And by doing that, when it works, it's going to be great. But you got an opportunity here for a lot of missed timing early on, the early season issues, receivers and quarterbacks not on the same page with timing purposes. Or they, do, they go to do a site adjustment and they're not reading the same thing because they haven't had the volume of reps to adjust appropriately. So while Fitzpatrick has chemistry with a lot of these receivers early on, because of 2019, I would think that is an area that we do need to be mindful of for Miami, is if they're going more off timing with their throwing and not off of precision of the routes and exactly how they want it run, you'd see some turnovers and some misfires in that area as well. Last question from today on the iTunes charts comes from Jesse. Do you think an offense of Tua, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Mike Kosecki has the potential to be Kansas City Chiefs-level type of offense? Man. Different personnel. Like, you still have speed in Travis Etienne. You have blinding speed out of the backfield. But Kansas City, first of all, Mahomes' is arm is on a different level than Tua's as far as the arm strength and what he's able to do, placement of the ball, velocity of the ball to all levels of the field, especially when he's not standing firm on his platform and in the pocket. That's part of what makes Mahomes so special. And then you've got receivers in Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Tyreek Hill, who are just like straight gas High four threes, low four fours, guys. The position group that you've outlined here with the Dolphins, getting Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, it's very exciting. Well, I'd be all for it. I think it would really help this offense with the explosive plays dynamic. But it's a different kind of offense than that Chiefs blink and you will miss us type of offense. The offense that you described is still very much outside of ETN, and even ETN's got like really good contact balance. It's more of a bully ball type of offense. Receivers all dominate the catch point. Jamar Chase, he's got a ton of back shoulder throws, came back to the football, really good timing. Devontae Parker's a high point guy. Mike Isecki is a high point guy. Preston Williams, he's what, 6'5"? So, I think that offense would look differently. Could its production be super high-end? Yes, of course. You get the offensive line right with this group, and you've got enough playmakers all around the field that you can really do some damage. I think that's a pretty exciting proposition. But Chiefs-style or Chiefs-esque offense Probably not. I think I'd look at like the Denver Broncos and what they have with KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, like that kind of skill group. Those guys are all. I think the average forty time of their eleven personnel with Noah Fant as the tight end is like four five or four four five. I think the Chiefs are like four four three as the fastest. So Miami's not quite at that level yet, and they're they're missing the speed component, even with chasing ETN across the board. Transitioning into Twitter questions to bring us home today. And then I gotta bounce. I gotta go sit in. Brian Flores's presser starts at 9. This is it's 8:30 right now. So we got a great long day of Dolphins content ahead of us. I promised you at the end of yesterday's pod, it was coming. Now it's here. Uh, Jack wants to know. Do you have a sense of how the NFL will handle their blackout rules? I do not. I hope they handle it better than baseball. Well, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second, but baseball, it's so hard to root for the game of baseball. There was some uh, Texas manager complaining that uh, Padres batter Fernando Tatis Jr. swung on a 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam up seven in the eighth inning and we're complaining about breaking the, the unwritten rules of baseball. If you want to take it seriously, if it should be a rule, write it in the rule book. Otherwise, stop crying and tell your pitchers to stop throwing everything in the dirt. Such a lame, the unwritten rules of baseball, part of baseball, is just insufferable. And then, and then you look at how they don't market their players. It's a mess. Don't get me started. Uh, the, the blackout television stuff, it's a mess. Don't get me started. Adrian. Who will be the surprise of camp? Who will ultimately let us down? And with Rosen, what can be the best case scenario for, with him? Will we choose to flip him or keep him as a cheap security blanket? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see Miami getting value for Josh. Not right now. Josh, obviously one of the big winners of yesterday's practice with you know, the consistency in which he threw the football. And let's remember, physical traits have never been the problem with Josh. And we have a much simpler offense this year versus last year. I just don't think he's going to get the, the platform to showcase himself. And then going into next year, you're talking about going into a contract year. And then that's when Miami's probably going to have to make their decision. I can't envision them cutting Rosen loose. They'll probably keep him through 2021 as the backup quarterback. And then it's like, okay, Josh, do you want to be a backup in Miami or do you want to try and go sign somewhere and start? You're going to get a couple quarters of preseason games, barring durability questions with the other quarterbacks, to showcase yourself. Who will be the surprise of camp? Oh, man. i look for Zach Siler to make a little bit of noise on the defensive line. Uh, they really seem to like him. And he was super toolsy coming out of Ferris State. Layton, who do you think wins RB3 job between Belage, Gaskin, Laird, and possibly Perry? Okay, so I'm going to say Perry makes the roster, but it's as a wide receiver, 6-7 hybrid with running back reps sprinkled in. Between Belage, Gaskin, and Laird, give me Patrick Laird. I think the pass-catching skills that he showed last year, um, he had the best evaluation tape from 2019. And that seems to be something that the Dolphins are taking into consideration with cutting Steven Parker and cutting Adrian Colbert before the start of padded practices. They are really intent on continuing to tweak and get the rooms better. But if you showed enough last year, either good or bad for them to make the decision, they're going to make that decision. And I thought Laird showed the most last year. I would pick him for RB3. Tone total, if you could bring one Dolphins player to this current roster from these decades, who would they be? 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Not your favorite players, players that Phil needs on this team. Great show makes the workouts fly. Thank you. Um, I ain't doing this today. <laughs> this is a big lift. This, w- this would be a really good show concept. So let's plan on doing this one later in the week. I'm going to hit favorite on it right now. Uh, so you probably just got the, the push notification tone, but... I'm gonna do this one later. Who on the roster on has the most to prove? One on offense and one on defense. This comes from the Drunken Fins. His picks are McCain and Grant. I think McCain is the right answer on defense. McCain has significant salary tied to him through 2022. He played nine games last year. He was poor with his tackling. Since the transition to safety, he's got to show he can be the answer on the back end or else run the risk of like not only getting relegated back to playing in the nickel, but probably getting cut or traded off the roster. Offensively, man, probably Jakeem Grant. I think you've got the right two guys uh, personally. McDreamy wants to know my realistic expectations for the defense. I think we're setting the bar too low. We look to have capable NFL players at every level. Is top 15 defense, unrealistic. No, it is not. And here's the important thing. You look at the potential for the starters on the offensive side of the ball, the potential is good, the depth is not. Defensively, the starters look good aside of, you know, if you want a more dynamic threat off the edge in pass rush situations and free safety. But with the pressed man corners that the Dolphins have, I'm not super concerned about safety. This year, anyway. They got enough to go with three safeties on the field at the same time. But the depth is good. Nick Needham in nickel is not gonna play for the Dolphins unless he beats somebody out or saving Howard's hurt. That's really good, because Nick, as we saw at the end of last year. Looked really good. You look at the linebackers. When they go nickel, Jerome and Van Noy are probably your two linebackers. Raekwon won't be on the field. Kamu Gruger-Hill won't be on the field. Elan and Roberts won't be on the field. Depending on each individual matchup, like, they'll get their reps here and there. But, like, that depth is good. (laughs) The defensive line. Vince Beagle... Shaq Lawson, your outside pass rushers, probably, early, early downs anyway. Emmanuel Logbao rotating in on third downs. Wilkins, Godshouse, Zach Se- like the depth is good, yes. You have a good defensive coach, and your defensive coordinator is new, but he was promoted from within the system in Josh Boyer. I absolutely think the Dolphins can have a top 15 defense. Now, the challenge will be, there's some new parts, I think that's why it's important the Dolphins got some key pieces that have familiarity with the style of defense. And also, they play some tough offenses this year. They got to play the Chiefs this year. So they might have, like, a couple lapses against really explosive offenses that kind of throw off the overall performance of the team. But n- no, McDreamy, I don't think you're being unrealistic to expect the Dolphins to have a top half of the league defense this year. I think it's, it's probably going to happen. Uh, Beach. Hey, Kyle, keep up the awesome work. What is your ultimate goal in the podcast and media world? Well, thank you. Uh, I would say this. I am very fortunate right now at 31 years old uh, to be able to say that I am doing everything I could have possibly dreamed that I would want to do. I'm covering the Dolphins written and audio between Locked On Dolphins and Dolphins Wire. I get to cover the NFL draft as my full-time employment at the Draft Network, and do a daily uh, draft podcast, college football NFL podcast, with Joe Marino of Locked on Bills, Draft Dudes for the Draft Network. I'm living my dream right now, and it's, it's really, really cool, and it's a journey that's taken me about eight years uh, since I first started to get to this point. And if you told me I could do this for the rest of my life, I would. And I don't think I'd retire either. Until you guys stop listening to me. Because I, I have so much enjoyment doing what I do. Do I always want more? Yeah. No, is it? But this is the first year I'm credentialed to uh, sit in on the, the Dolphins press conferences and get to ask these guys questions throughout the course of the week. I've been to the NFL Combine. I've been to the Senior Bowl with my draft coverage. But being more in-depth with the Dolphins coverage, my goal in the podcast world is to give you the best possible podcast that I can. But I am so happy doing what I'm doing. Question from Jake. Are the Dolphins a boom or bust team this year? No, I don't think so. I think there's plenty of middle ground, and I think they probably will land in the middle ground. The boom for Miami is probably 9-7. The bust for Miami is probably 5-11 again. I'd be really disappointed with five wins this year, personally. I think, in reality, 7-8 wins is, is where I'm expecting this team to fall. Um... But I think there's a ceiling here that they could go into, and it wouldn't be outrageous for them to hit it. We have a couple other questions, but I'm going to save them for another date. We have done quite enough here on Locked On Dolphins, and Brian Flores' press conference starts in 10 minutes, so I'm going to bounce out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod today. I know I certainly did. I am enjoying hearing everything that's transpiring down in Davy getting to hear the accounts of what is happening, getting to talk to the players and the coaches about what's happening at paddock practices. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins throughout the course of the rest of the week, throughout the course of the rest of the year, throughout the course of the rest of the Dolphins journey to get back to the Super Bowl. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks as always for listening. Hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.